Today's readings, um, which can be found in the Blue Bibles under the seat in front of you, are taken from Matthew 16, verses 30 to 13 to 20, and then moving across to Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. And that's on page 983 is the first reading. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Then flipping over to page 1000, the Great Commission, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning. This is always a very, very exciting day in the year. Do you know why? It's the last Sunday in winter. I love it. You guys don't have to come down here at 7 o'clock in the morning when it's freezing. And all praise to Malcolm Jeske who comes early and puts the heaters on an hour before everyone else. Uh, He's a champion in my mind. We're going to pray and then we're going to think about the vision of St Matthew's Manly and where we're heading the next five years. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you we can be here today. We thank you for your incredible grace towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the wonderful opportunity we have for ministry here at the centre of the village. I thank you for the history, over 150 years of faithful gospel preaching. And Lord, as we think about the next chapter of that story, I pray that you would instruct us and inspire us. And Father, help us to with your guidance and your power and your wisdom, go forward and grow your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know what you're like, but I find there's nothing more annoying than having kind of blurry vision and you see photographs. Um, Part of the reality of ageing is your eyes don't work the same way they used to. And I remember when I was in my 40s, um, having the first experience of struggling to read something up close and it was like, oh, this is not a good feeling. And if you know me, I wear reading glasses. From this distance, I can actually see my notes. Um, when I'm reading my Bible or the paper, I've actually got to get my uh, glasses out. But it's quite frustrating. Uh, clear vision is an incredible blessing in so many ways. And for those who have had to wear glasses all their life, um, I understand it's a reality that glass is very helpful. Um, if you don't have to wear them, it's an incredible blessing. But one area where clear vision... Uh, is so important is leadership 
And I say that because uh, any organisation needs to have clarity about what it's about. And the leader's role, in part, is to bring that clarity to bear for the organisation. And when I first came here to St Matthews, one of the things I was very keen to do was to try and bring a clear vision for this church. And anyone who's been here since the beginning will remember there were two words that summed up that vision. And it was that church. Now, if you look over to your right, you'll notice something's missing. It's gone. Well, it's actually not gone, it's standing beside me. Because when I came here, my clear vision was this, that we would be known as that church. And if you were to ask me what that was about, I'd put it this way. Uh, My question was, in thinking about that church, what are we known by in the community, by those who don't come here, yet I pray will come here and find the living God? You could say, what is our reputation in the community? In other words, when you bump into people and they go, you're from that church, what would they say? Would they say, oh, you're that church that's got the most comfortable seats in churches in Australia? That's one of the boasts I have to my fellow ministers. I think we've got some of the best seats you can sit on. Oh, are you that church that has camels at Christmas time? I've heard that one out in the surf, talking to one of the guys I was surfing with. Oh, you're that church that's got the beautiful windows. Oh, actually, you're that church that closed services for the NRL Grand Final. Are you that church? I got a letter about that from someone who wasn't that happy about it. Now, they're all good things. But they aren't really the most significant things for a church, in a sense, to have vision for. My vision has always been that we would be that church that was known by the way we demonstrated and shared love, grace and truth in the community. Such that if you ran into people, they would say things like this, oh, you're from that church. The one my friends started going to, you know, it's incredible, a year back their marriage was incredible trouble and I really wondered whether they would survive but since they've started going there they tell me they've found God their lives have come together and they're back on track it's a miracle what's happened so you go to that church do you oh you're from that church my friends started going there you know he'd been in such a terrible place for so many years and his life was spiraling out of control alcohol drugs but you know he's changed and he keeps telling me that Jesus has changed his life and does he go to that church that one that you go to that church oh you're from that church the people there are incredible I've got a friend who started going she's going through an incredibly tough time because her husband left her And, you know, I've watched how the church has loved her and looked after her. And it's amazing how you guys care and love for people. Are you from that church? That church. It's a great vision. I believe in it, so why change it? Well, let me just take you back through some of the history. When I came, that was the vision of the church. And... This was a canvas that we had made and I remember preaching on this vision 
for my first term in 2009. Now, who was there at that period? A few people. Who wasn't here? Just put your hands up. A lot of people. Now, those who were here actually signed their name to this canvas. Who remembers signing? Now, I had a look at it this morning, and it's interesting. Um, Hamish Wagstaff, who's now 17, was playing the organ, and I saw Hamish's name, and he was nine at the time, and he signed Hamish Wagstaff Music. And he plays the organ at 8 o'clock. Now, the one that really caught my eye, where's William? William, do you remember what you signed? William wasn't on staff at this point, but has come on staff as our building maintenance property guy, and his name is here, William Mako, and he just put The Fixer. (laughs) (laughs) Prophetic, William, because William is the fixer, let me tell you. And and I could go around here... um, and my name is here, and a whole bunch of people's names are here. And if you want to have a look, you can have a look afterwards. Um, but people signed up to be part of that church. And it was a very, very moving time. I'm just going to leave that there. Why change it? Why relaunch? I just want to make sure it doesn't fall. Two reasons. Um, first is this. It had grown Blurry. It wasn't self-evident. And as much as I believed in it and do believe in it and will continue to believe and want us to be that sort of place, it needed re-clarifying. But more significantly, the longer I've been here, the more I believe we needed to have a bigger vision for St Matthew's. And having been here for seven years, you start to appreciate the incredible history and place this church has had in Sydney and in the world. And you might not realise some of the things I'm going to tell you, but um, for 150 years, this has been at the centre of the village, but it's had an enormous heart beyond Manly itself. And it's had an incredible mission, um, support and relationship. And so the picture has been a very big picture that the ministry of this church has had. Now, I'm going to show you a picture... Uh, that hangs in the office and if you come in there you may have seen it now this i'll just show you off on the screen there's a couple of people signing up uh, that church from 1863 to 1938 15 different churches were planted effectively about one every three four years Uh, or supported in planting uh, in the early period of St Matthew's ministry. Now, that's an incredible heritage. And you think of the churches up the Northern Beaches, um, All Saints Balgala, uh, St Mark's Freshwater, St John's, Monavale, you keep going, St Faith, Narrabeen, all these places came out of the roots of this place here at St Matthew's. And so you realise as the senior minister, that this place has had a very significant history in terms of thinking beyond itself in growing God's church. Now, the other thing to note is, um, over the last seven years, we've seen the place grow in significant ways. And I don't want to get caught up in numbers too much. Um, Numbers at one level uh, don't communicate a lot because the reality is church is people and lives being touched by the grace of God and coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ and being transformed by him but it is helpful to kind of see the journey we've been on um, from back 
uh, when I started in 2008. And you see the wonderful way that the ministry has grown through the efforts of everyone. Uh, I don't want to put this on my name. This is about the whole place has been ministering and serving. And you can see there adults, youth and kids on a weekend, 466 on average through 2008 before I came. Uh, but we're now getting over 700. Um, and the most remarkable thing is the way the youth and children's ministry has grown. I think it's doubled uh, in that time. And we're very, uh, I mean, I'm indebted to the staff and to the volunteers who've worked uh, to make that happen. So many people here have been a part of that story. But then you think about some of the other things, um, the way people have been converted and the way gos the gospel's been at work, uh, the way people have been cared for in outstanding ways. Uh, financially, for the first time literally in decades, St Matthew's has been able to stand on its own two feet without dependence on the shop properties. Now, that's been an incredible blessing and miracle at one level because for over 30, 40, 50 years, uh, the church has always needed some money from the shop property to enable it to make budget. For the first time, 12 months ago, that ceased to be the case. And we're roughly running in line, we're slightly under from the last month, but it's been a wonderful thing to see the way the people, all of us together, have now financially started to contribute and enable the place to stand on its own two feet, particularly as we approach getting ready for a major building program. And let me say, I'm very excited about this building program because um, it will enable us to have incredible new facilities to minister for the next couple of decades and going forward. I mean, it's a one in 100 year project uh, that we're going to be a part of and see the, burnt, the fruits from. But where do we go forward? Well, if you've got your booklet there, you might want to open up to the first page because what we have come to, and look, I've spent time praying, studying, writing, uh, seeking God, listening to other people, engaging with staff, engaging with parish council, engaging with leaders. Uh, this time last year, I met with over 100 uh, lay leaders from the parish, uh, small group leaders, all sorts of people. And we've basically come up, and I've, uh, in terms of what's been put on my heart and engaged with, uh, that church is being replaced by this phrase, if you can see on the screen, growing God's church through the gospel. And what I want to do now is just stop and open the Bible up and get us to think about what Scripture says to us. And it's a very important thing to do because at the end of the day, um, this is not just about my vision, it's not about a parish council vision, it's about what is God's vision for us here at St Matthew's and what's his vision for the church? And the passage I want us to look at is the one that was first read, the first reading by Sarah. Uh, it's from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Uh, I'm not going to spend as long on it as I would normally do. Uh, I want to spend about 10 minutes, uh, 10, 12 minutes, just going through and reflecting on it before I talk about uh, some of the things that are coming up for us as a church as we go forward. Page 983, the Black Bibles in front of you in the pews, in the seats. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, it's a famous narrative. It's the turning point of the Gospels in Matthew, Mark and Luke. As for the first time, they work out who Jesus is. And Jesus then begins to journey towards Jerusalem and his ultimate death and resurrection. And there's two key things I want us to note this morning. First is this, Peter's confession. So simple, yet so profound. One of the most important questions any person can ever ask and answer is, who is this Jesus? Who is this man who has entered history? And you see in the most concise ways, the most spot-on answer that Peter gives. And you see it there in verse 16. After, after having been asked the question, who are you? He says, well, actually, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God, Jesus. Now, there's two things there. The Messiah is a Hebrew concept. Uh, the Greek concept is Christ, which we get the name Jesus Christ from. Uh, in today's language, you would say king. And what Peter says is he looks at Jesus and he's heard what the crowds have said. Yeah, he's a kind of a religious figure. He's a prophet. And he goes, actually, no, you're the king. And then he adds to it, and you're actually the son of the living God. Now, there's no doubt that Peter doesn't really understand the gravity of what he's just worked out and the depth of it and the fullness of it. Uh, that will come later. In fact, he gets corrected on his misunderstandings straight after saying this. But in that response, you get the essence of the gospel. Because at the centre of the gospel is not just a person, but a person who is Lord and King, and the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He is the announcement to the world. Because a gospel is, if I can say in merely human language, an announcement for the world. An announcement of great authority and of great significance. And the announcement we have for the world is, Jesus is King and He's the Lord, He's the Son of God. You need to turn to Him. In fact, Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, when he sums up the gospel, he says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It's one of the most simple understanding and statements of the gospel. So Peter gets it first thing. Now I want you to see Jesus' response. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Simon, you got it right. Simon Peter. And it's very important to realise that because what Jesus is saying here is this confession of who he is. In essence, the gospel is the foundation of the church because he goes on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church. And this rock is this gospel. You see, the church is built upon the message of the gospel. That is our foundation. 
That is our sure foundation. We are built upon Jesus Christ, who is the King and the Lord and the Son of God, and upon His death and resurrection, it is our sure and unshakable foundation. On this rock, I will build my church. And you see, the gospel is the foundation of the church. And as we think about the vision of the church, one of the things we have to keep saying is, it's actually the gospel that is what we base our entire ministry upon. It's not me, it's not any one person, it's actually not our history, it's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing to note is you see here Jesus' vision for his people. And I think that's incredibly important to note because you see, my question is not what my thoughts are, it's actually what Jesus' vision is for his people and he puts it very simply, he says, in verse 17, he will build his church. On this rock, Simon Peter, I will build my church. And I think it's so important for leaders to recognise this, for all of us to understand this. Uh, This is not my church. Uh, That church actually belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm merely a steward of ministry passing through time. This place has been here way before me. It will, I pray, continue way afterwards. And it's been founded on the preaching of the gospel. And it's his church. His vision is that he will grow his church. And that's why we have changed things to growing God's church through the gospel. Two more things to note. The importance of the church. When you read through scripture, the church is a very, very important part of God's plans. And I say that because there's no doubt for some, church is a negative concept. Uh, Church, that word to some speaks of hierarchy, Uh, it can speak of control. Sadly, as we go through the Royal Commission uh, into child sex abuse, it also speaks of uh, deception and deceit. And let me just say, as I've said before, I welcomed the Royal Commission. I think it's been, if I can say, a very painful but very needed thing for not just the church but all organisations that have been involved in the care of children. I've come home at time at night in despair when I see church leaders on the stand speaking of ways that they have covered up or not cared for kids. And truly I've wondered why some bishops don't immediately resign given what has taken place under their reign as leaders. And all of this is true. But it does not take away from the importance of the church in God's eyes. And when you get to Ephesians, you get this wonderful picture and it speaks of the fact that the church is actually the bride of Christ. And what we look forward to as his people, as the bride, is the day when the Lord Jesus will return for his people, the bride. And you see that picture magnificently in Revelation 21 when the Lord Jesus returns. And we will be purified by him and reunited with him. And you see at the centre of his plans is the church and we will look at some of these things in fourth term. But the church is not the hierarchy. The church is not the buildings. The church is not the denomination. Uh, The word church in the original language simply means gathering. It's the word ecclesia, it's where we get ecclesiology from, but it actually was a secular word, ecclesia. 
And it's simply meant to gather. Now, there was a church meeting this morning down at Manly Surf Club uh, called Bold and Beautiful. They, they are the church of swimmers, you might say, in the sense that they are the gathering. Now, I'm a part of that church as well, and I have a great time, and I'm very good friends with people down there. And I love it. We are the gathering who gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God the Father. And when you read through the New Testament, that's what you see. Uh, Paul will address the church who gather in the name of the Father and the Son at Thessalonica. And when you read the letters, that's typically how he addresses them. And you see, we are the church that gathers here in Manly on the Corso, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Two last things, the power that Jesus speaks about. He says... I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. And I think it's worth remembering this. There is no force in history that can actually stand against the church. We are, if I can say, a supernatural organisation and not to puff us up, but it is to remind us that God works in us and through us, even through our frailties and weaknesses. God is at work. In fact, he seems to be most at work through our frailties and weaknesses. And to give you just one example of that, Richard Borgonna, when he was here and speaking about reading the word one-to-one, mentioned about the growth of the Chinese church. And if you're not familiar with it, in 1949, Mao Zedong, with the Communist Chinese Party, kicked all the missionaries out of China. And at that point in time, I did some research, they reckoned there was about a million Protestant Christians and three million Catholics. When they were allowed back in, some 50 years later, that number had grown to 20 million. Today, they think there may be up to 70 million Chinese Christians. There are more people confessing Christ today in China than are members of the Chinese Communist Party. You see, the gates of hell cannot overthrow it even though in history people have tried. But lastly, the personnel for this mission and this vision. Jesus finishes his address to Peter with these words, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You can see um, the words up there. What is he talking about? Now, historically, the Catholics have made much of this. Um, I don't think they're correct in terms of the way they interpret it. Let me just put it this way simply. Um, Keys, what do you use them for? Everyone's got keys, I take it. Uh, And what do you do with your keys? Um, Well, you'll take them and you'll use them to open a door and go through it. And Peter is told he's been given the keys to the kingdom. In other words, he's been given something that will enable people to open the door to the kingdom and go through it and that language of binding or loosing here on earth and heaven I think refers to people entering the kingdom of heaven and Peter is given the keys of it now what are the keys the key to the kingdom is the gospel it's what he's just confessed it's what they are sent out with at the end and you see we have those same keys At the end, with the Great Commission, and you'll see this in Matthew 28, he says, All authority has been given to me, therefore go. And we go out in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ with his gospel 
to invite people to enter the kingdom of heaven. We too, friends, have the keys of the kingdom. It's the gospel message. And it's the gospel that allows people to enter or not enter. If you want to ask me more about that, I'm happy to do that after the service. But our vision here at St Matthews is that we will grow God's church through the gospel. Now the question comes, how do you actually grow the church through the gospel? Well, Jesus says you do it this simple way, by making disciples. And you can see there on the screen the other verse we had read today, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Now I could say much about that but I'm not going to today. Um, I'm going to be unfleshing or putting flesh on the, the bones of today in fourth term in our commitment series and talk in more detail about what it means to grow God's church with the gospel through making disciples. And my great vision is that we will do that by sharing uh, God's love, grace and truth and continue to be that church that is known by all these wonderful things. But I want to stop and just reflect on what's new because one of the things people say when you start uh, launching a new vision, so what's new? Is this just a new bit of paper on the wall <laughs> that makes me feel better about being the senior minister? Uh, when you come in, you'll see it there. Uh, no, um, it's enabled us to rethink about what we're doing and to reshape our ministry and to refocus our ministry. And there's a number of different ways that we're going to be working in terms of growing God's church through the gospel. I want to talk about a number of things. I'll come back to that one in a tick. Uh, but I would encourage you to take this uh, and read it. Um, there are four key values, core values that we want to be building the ministry on in terms of Bible and prayer, community, transformation and service. Uh, there's um, explanations about those in there. And in terms of making disciples, we're trying to work in four key areas or five key areas, our worship ministry, our growth ministry, our care ministry, our mission ministry and our next-gen ministry. And what I wanted to do today was just let you know some of the new initiatives that are going to be taking place and I'm going to invite us to pray. And we're going to have an open time of prayer. And inside the booklet there, you'll see that there's a number of things in the boxes from page five, under, five onwards in terms of new ministry initiatives. Now, there is a new ministry initiative for the worship ministry. It was a little bit too tricky to explain in, if I can say, 30 seconds. So I've left it out, but I have got some things that I'm wanting to introduce there in terms of our worship ministry on Sunday. Secondly, our growth ministry in terms of building disciples, very important. One new thing we'll be doing next year... Uh, is I want to invite people who want to go deeper and learn in terms of leadership and theology to be part of a leaders learning group and it'll be an open invitation. Uh, we're going to be running it four times a year uh, for a day each term, uh, both a Tuesday midweek group as well as a Saturday group for those who can't make midweek for obvious reasons. Uh, because I'm very keen that we together grow in our understanding of God and thinking about how we can minister better and more effectively in ministry and we'll be reading fixed, uh, books and reflecting on that um, each term. The third key area is care ministry and one of the things that is very important in churches is that we love people and this church has an outstanding history of loving people, I want to say that. But a lady came to me and said, look, the people who in crisis get looked after the best are often the ones who are most connected relationally in other words they're kind of more well known and she was very concerned that we would care for people who are less well known but still part of this place 
Uh, they might be quieter people. They might be struggling. And we're starting a ministry called the Grace Group to offer grace to people in particular times of need and particularly where financial help can be provided. And when you read through the book of Acts, you'll notice there that one of the great themes is their generosity towards people in need from their community. And already I've had money pledged towards that. We also have a pastoral care fund. And so we're going to, we've got a group of people who are starting uh, to look over that and oversee that in terms of making sure when we have people in this congregation and the other congregations in great need that we can provide some sort of assistance. Mission ministry, page six. Uh, there's two new initiatives in that. Uh, the first one is we just commenced uh, this term in terms of reading the Bible with people who don't yet come to church, uh, reading the word one-to-one. And I want to say we've got a great vision for how everyone can actually be involved in sharing the wonderful news of Jesus with those that they connect with, just through reading the Bible with them. And the word one-to-one notes are outstanding for that. I've started with two people uh, and it's been very encouraging. I was speaking to someone this week and they went and asked someone and they'd been praying for them and they just went up and said, look, I've been thinking about you and I wondered, would you like to read the Bible with me? And the person said to me, the person said, yes. And she said, when she said yes, I was kind of like, oh, you do. (laughs) Okay, let's start. (laughs) She was so shocked. Now, one of the reasons I'm so keen about this is, um, we run courses here and they're great. So many people will not come to a course. And one of the guys I'm reading with, there's no way he'd come to a course here. But I just rang him up and said, look, would you like to have coffee? And that's all I'm asking. Do you want to have coffee? Let's get together. And we had a great time. And we're going to see where it goes. Another new initiative is to expand our mission partnerships. Now, St. Matthew's has a very rich and significant history in supporting mission. And sadly, it has shrunk a bit in my last few years, which I'm not proud of. But one of the reasons for that was we had to get financial independence from the shop property, which had supported so much of our missions. And every year, historically, it would generate a lot of money for mission. Now, we are now generating that ourselves, which is wonderful. And in Term 4 Commitment Series, we will again uh, seeking to raise money for mission, as we did um, two years ago. And that was so successful, we raised enough for two years of mission support. Um, but one of the things that struck me was we actually need to expand our partnerships. And I'm very pleased to let you know, if you have, weren't aware, we've taken on Dave Fell and Norfolk Island uh, as one of our mission partners and begun supporting them. But I'm also very pleased to let you know that we're going to be partnering with a church plant. Now, church planting is kind of sexy in the diocese, if I can put it that way. And one of the things they say to you is, Bruce, are you planting a church? And honestly, I've prayed about it and thought about it in terms of the Northern Beaches. And nothing resonated with me because there are so many different churches here. But what did resonate with me was that when you look west of Sydney... There are great tracts of land which are called greenfields where there's just paddocks that have now been ploughed up and literally tens of thousands of people are going and there are no churches there. And we've made a decision to partner with a new church plant at Marsden Park. Now, I've got on the map there, uh, if you want to drive out there, you can just see you get in your car and you go for a long, 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 long time. And eventually you'll arrive at Ikea in Marsden Park and not much else because it's all being ploughed up and houses are being built. And I'm very pleased to let you know, we've got the church plant who's going to be starting it next year. He's here today. Come on up, Mark, and tell us a bit about the church plant. 
Can you welcome Mark here? He's driven all the way. And his dear wife, Rachel, is here as well. There you go. Um, and so we've just um, given them some money to, because he's basically living off two days a week at the moment. He's got a family with three kids. And I was very pleased to let uh, him know that, uh, actually, I rang your boss, because it goes to your boss. Sorry, Mark. Um, and he will pay you. Um, that some money has gone just in this initial stage. Um, 90 seconds, why are you excited about planning a church at Marston Park? Um, well, it's not that far away. Come on, it take, took us an hour this morning. It's not that bad, so please come out. How many, um, how many bridges did you cross? Uh, I wasn't counting. <laughs> uh, I was hoping not to cross the Harbour Bridge because that would have meant that I went further than I'm meant to. Uh, why Marston Park? Well, as uh, Bruce said, there's heaps of people moving out of this area. So by about 2031, there'll be 1.5 million people in Greater Western Sydney, and that'll be about about half the population of Sydney will be living out there. Marsden Park will reach about 90,000 people by 2045. So in about 30 years' time, we'll go from about uh, 8,000 that are probably there now in Ikea to uh, uh, 90,000 people. Now, why do we want to plant a church there? Well, that's a, a great picture over there, isn't it, of what you guys have done in the past. We know that new churches reach new people. New churches make new disciples for Christ. And that's what we want to do at Marsden Park. We want to be Jesus' witnesses, his Holy Spirit-empowered witnesses in Marsden Park, where we can bring more people to love Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Fantastic. Do you want to add anything, Rachel? No, it's it's very exciting and we're really excited to partner with you. So we just we just value your prayers. Just pray that God is opening the hearts of people who will um, be able to get connected to us, that we'll make inroads into the community, um, cross cultures and, and meet people and share Jesus with them. So please pray. I'm going to pray now. I was going to wait till later, but I can't, I can't wait. Father, we just thank you for Mark and Rachel and their faith to step out and begin to plant this church. I know they're at the beginning of forming a team and we pray that you'd bring people to join their core team, resources that they need and just prepare them to launch next year and we pray grow this church through the gospel and bring people to faith in Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get you to thank them for coming along today? Now, grab a seat. Mark's going to be outside if you want to find out more in the courtyard with some of the brochures he's got about it. Let me finish with one last story. Um, The last new initiative is that we're starting a ministry intern training program. And I'm also very pleased to let you know I've had a very generous donation towards that because one of the things I want us to be doing is sending people out of here in full-time ministry. There's always been a rich history of that. I want it to continue uh, that those who are called by God and equipped and gifted for that, can go out and serve in the world, in wherever they feel called by God to go. And so we're going to be able to offer some financial scholarships for people who can do that in terms of training and experience here, uh, prior to Bible college and full-time ministry. There's lots more to say. I'm going to finish there. What we're going to do now is we're going to pray. Uh, Because at the end of the day, it's his church, the living God. And it's only through his spirit energising us and transforming us 
and giving us the power through the gospel that people will come and be drawn to Christ and be saved and this church grow and grow and develop God's kingdom as we feel called to here. And we pray, and I'm praying, the impact will be far beyond here. And so what I want us to do is just stop now and pray. And if you would like to pray today, just put your hand up and I'll bring the microphone around and pray for us being a place that God uses to grow his church through the gospel in the power of his spirit. Let's be quiet. If you'd like to pray, just put your hand up and I will bring the microphone around. Lord, I just pray for the Grace Ministry, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that uh, this ministry will be able to reach to those who really are burdened, Lord, financially. And I just pray and I thank you, Lord, for the generosity of church. I pray not only generous with money, but also with time, with love, with patience, Lord, and with, with all that you've given us in terms of uh, the gifts that you've given us from heaven, Lord. Help us to realise that we are just stewards of this, Lord, and be willing to share, to give, and to love. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the way you're so merciful that while we're still sinners, you sent Christ and we really ask that you would continue to show that mercy on those people that we love and the people in our communities who don't yet know you. We pray that you would help us be bold, help us to share Jesus and that you would really bless our heart's desire that more and more people would know you. Amen. Amen. Father God, we do thank you for the leaders that we have here at St. Matt's. Lord, we thank you for the vision that we've heard this morning um, to grow God's church through the gospel. And as we reflect on the mission to make faithful disciples of Jesus who share his love, grace and truth in Manly and beyond, Lord, we just pray that your work would be done and that you would be working through all of us as we support this vision and this mission, Lord. And Father, we do pray for our our leaders that you would continue to bless them and keep them focused and that we would all be able to support them in this vision. In Jesus' name, amen.
Dear Lord, I just thank you that this church has got the financial resources, that we're a rich church, and I just pray that we will also support the Marston Church prayer in planting, um, the church plant in prayer, and that um, you'll be preparing the hearts of the people who are moving out to that area even now. And I also pray for the right people to come and join Mark and Rachel's team, Lord, that they are really excited about the church plant and really love the community out there. Thank you. Father God, I just thank you for the stories in the Bible of hungry people that were fed by you. And I thank you that when there was a multitude of hungry people in front of you, there was one small boy who offered up his lunch, just a handful of fish and a handful of loaves. And you took it and you broke it and you blessed it and you sent it out and there was an abundance. And I just pray that that's what you'll do with us. We offer up what we have in our hands and it might be small, it might be just like a handful of fish and a handful of bread. And we pray that what we offer to you, you will break and bless and send out and it will fill people's spiritual tummies. Amen. closing prayer. Father, we do thank you for all your blessings. May we be faithful stewards of all that you've given us here at Manly and at St Matthew's. May your gospel transform us personally so that we are vehicles of your love, grace and truth to those around us. And we pray that we might shine brightly here in Manly and beyond as we share your love, grace and truth with this world. And Father, for these new initiatives uh, that will be taking place in our worship ministry and growth ministry and care ministry and mission ministry, Father, use them for your glory, we pray, so that people may come to know you, people will grow in you, that your love will be felt and that we may give all the glory to you, our great Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.